Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Uh, happy to be back with you. And uh, boy, we can't wait to start talking about the Buckos who have actually been playing some pretty good ball. I mean, 500 on the nose for the last month. So, I mean, it's hard to complain about that. So I figured I'd complain about something else. I mean, <laughs> this, the scene in uh, in Pittsburgh lately has has just taken a crazy diversion on the pirates recently and i think uh when when i started doing this the reason i started was because i felt like there was so much misinformation and just silly projections going on out in the world that i figured the pirates needed to be covered a little bit more fairly fortunately i found somebody that did and he's on the show today craig (laughs) and uh, jim stam We both want to take time to just make sure everybody understands that what you perceive sometimes as a beef online between bloggers is not a beef about anybody being able to say anything they'd like to say. There's an audience for everything. If you want to read um, stories that uh, guys are going to jump from single A to start in the major leagues next year and you want to buy into that and that makes you happy, fine. I'd rather just tell you the truth. And, and and let you face the truth and feel it and understand what's actually going to come your way. Because what it leads to is a situation where people wind up buying it and then blaming the organization when it doesn't turn out that way. You know, like somebody will say, Ronzi Contreras is going to start in major leagues next year, Jim. And then when he doesn't, who gets blamed for it? Charrington gets blamed for slow walking him. Nutting gets blamed for not wanting to start his arbitration clock. Everyone else gets blamed because we badmouthed him and that's why he got kept back. It's such a silly premise. And I would like to say that we can all just get along because I have plenty of blogger friends and I talk to them all the time and I have them on the show all the time. But I don't want to just let things go that are completely overtly silly out there because they'll end up coming back to me anyway. I may not directly respond to somebody's post, but that post indirectly ends up coming back to me as a question that I have to answer. And I'm going to answer it truthfully. I'm not going to answer it to spare someone's feelings. I'm sorry. If you're going to project things like that and put them out, it's going to get talked about. That's really all there is to it. And that's what we're going to do on this show a little bit today is talk about some of those crazy projections and uh, talk about some realistic ones as well. And to do that, as always, we got Mr. Jim Stam with me. How's it going, everybody? And we got my good friend and writing partner, Craig Toth, on the show. How you doing, guys? Doing real good, man. So I figured today let's get started right away with that topic. It's been nuts lately. People are really, really projecting some insane things. I saw somebody yesterday said Henry Davis was going to compete in spring training as a starting catcher, and they were going to trade Jacob Stallings to make room for him. Yeah, that's um, that's quite an interesting take. Um, 
Should right. we just let that go? <laughs> I mean, that's my question really is, should we just let that go? Or do we actively need to talk about that? When it's somebody that has enough followers to do damage, do you need to actually discuss it? I, I think I do. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think when uh, you made some great points there um, about how, you know, it, it ends up coming back around to us in some way, shape or form or the pirates or people just take that as gospel. And all of a sudden now you've got in- misinformation out there. And when we're trying to do a show or you and Craig are writing and doing pieces, you know, you're going to have to fight against that. When it shouldn't even be an issue in the first place, it would you'd much rather just be focusing on the topics you have exactly. at, at hand. Um, and people want to <clears throat> people, you know, say, why do you hate so and so? Man, first of all, this is this is Twitter. This is social media. Yeah. I don't hate anybody. Um, you it, can forget a comma and have somebody think yeah. you're trying to start a nuclear war. Right. So, I mean, like, it, yeah, I get it. It, it. It's just one of those things where. It's not about hating anybody. It's about very, very much disliking the work and the content they're putting out. If it's even theirs in the first place. Exactly. And that's another point because Craig, you know, we often have people mistakenly call us journalists. We're not journalists. We're not even trying to be. We're, we're, we're writing a blog. There's a big difference between bloggers and podcasters and journalists. And it's something that everyone really needs to learn because these people really are doing real work. Journalists are part of the ecosystem that feeds us. And more specifically, what a reporter is. Exactly. My goodness. But they're, they're, they're gathering information. They're, they're interviewing people. They're, they're getting quotes that we don't have access to. We take that content they provide, and then we expound upon it with opinions. That's what we do. That's how the ecosystem works. And when we take a video clip from them, we ask and we use it. If they say no, we don't use it. I mean, Craig, you, you've been dealing with this for a long time, too. And at some point, it just kind of gets exhausting. Yeah. And I think uh, there was, to a certain degree, with the pandemic, some of the, the lines became blurred a little bit because of the limited access that even the journalists had, where some of the journalists were, I wouldn't say not doing their job, but they were also voicing more of their opinions. And it's not that I don't think they should have opinions, uh, but a lot of times it's like breaking that line of, okay, you, you wrote this or you tweeted this. Yeah. Is this an actual opinion that you have, or is this something you've heard from within the organization? So there was like that little bit of a line blurred. And then with social media, pretty much anybody can have a voice yeah and whatever they choose to do with that voice and like you said however many followers they get then you'll see that influence and then nobody's really attacking anybody and i really stopped even commenting on a lot of stuff i'll retweet (laughs) stuff if i see a video or something i think that's funny you had to do that for mental health, though, man. <laughs> I, I did because it would just drive me nuts because I, I didn't want to get in these arguments with people yeah, right. when when there's really nothing I can say that's either going to change their mind. And even if I provide them with facts, 
it still isn't going to change their mind. So I just had to kind of get away from that. Yeah. I did make like a, a comment to, to Jason Mackey yesterday when he said, you know, the, he wrote, he wrote actually a really great piece about uh, the pirates in Bradenton. Cause they, it, you know, it was the only game that was on that night. Right. But then basically said, this was the last time since 2016 and then showed the roster from 2016. And I was just made a comment of, Oh, you mean just because this team, you know, wins this championship, it doesn't translate to major league because you look <laughs> at that roster and it's got Trevor Williams on it. It's got Kevin Kramer on it. I mean, it was, it was a glutton uh, for punishment. It, it was just to even look at that. Um, we but, all know what a stud Kevin Kramer turned into. So big time. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it, my biggest thing is, is that like never portray anything as your own if it's not right we all know how to do the twitter screen grabs where you can run it through a system and put it back up where it doesn't attach of who it's from i i just don't see the point of that if i see something right. cool or i see a home run i'll retweet it and if somebody likes it great if somebody gets to see it great but if not it, it's not anything that i put out it's it's something that either the team or you know some one of those guys right. that's sitting down there working their butts off scouting or doing whatever freelancing they work to get that. And, and even like taking something, I think something silly is taking something off of somebody's Instagram that they posted. <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's just goofy to me. Like it's, it's out there for everybody. And yeah, you're giving everybody like a kind of a place to look at it. Right. But, but you didn't take that video. Like, it belongs to either the, exactly. the cameraman or something. It, to me, it's just goofy. You made a really good point, though. That I think I think that is something that happened a little bit during COVID is, is that a lot of the journalists, you know, still had their access and their Zoom calls and everything. But we were all able to watch those Zoom calls, too, for the most part, you know, pretty quickly. So there wasn't really any kind of distinguishing difference there besides just having some contacts, which a lot of bloggers do as well. So. I do think the lines got blurred a little bit there, and, but it, it's time to like step back and just realize that this is an ecosystem that functions best when everybody understands their place, because I think there's room for everybody to be celebrated and worked with together and enjoyed and, and we can all enrich each other's lives or we can just continue to, to make things silly. Well, that's where I feel like it's gotten. It it's gotten it's gotten silly, and you know we all sit back and we see what happens on Twitter and things unfold, and there's drama all the time. Oh, but you know, look, here's the thing about it: when when we sit and talk about the pirates, we it's very important to us and Craig that we do it in a factual analysis-based way, whether that's positive, whether that's negative, that should be a byproduct of, of what we're talking about. If it happens to be positive, great. Yeah. If it happens to be negative, great. But when you put stuff out and you want to just use the um, cliche that, well, I'm just a positive person, yeah. that, 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 that doesn't hold water in, in this line of work. If you want to be taken seriously. No, but eventually what happens to you, and we'll go ahead and take our first break here after this, but what eventually happens to you is you become a politician. You said what people wanted to hear at some point, and then once you got in office, or the pirates actually win, they find that you were full of crap. 
That's the truth. So be straight with people. They deserve it, and they're smart enough to understand it. That's really what everything should be about. They were all well, here's the thing is like hot takes will will get you a following in the short term but providing you know factual information and an actual deep diving good analysis will maintain that in the long term so i i feel like some of these people or whoever it would be that are out there that are that are making these hot takes people will see through it eventually and you know when what they say is going to happen doesn't come to fruition, then, I mean, they won't be around anymore. Right, just like my record prediction this year. So, <laughs> when we <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that record prediction, huh? Let's take a break. We're back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network, and it's time to start talking some baseball now. We've jerked around a little bit enough about social media, and I think it's time to to move on and uh, Let's move get to the important stuff and move past our producer dropping something on the floor there, and, <laughs> <laughs> and talk a little bit about uh, our our weekly poll question here that we put up um, because you know the Pirates they need to go six and five here to avoid. 100 losses and it seems more doable than i really thought possible a month ago um so i figured let's put up a poll and let's find out what the fans actually think of that do they care i mean i on the surface when i put the poll up i'm thinking yeah most people are going to say yeah we don't want you to lose 100 games i thought the same thing i'm gonna throw it over to you because you're (laughs) all set for it yeah so um a little surprising i thought so uh the, the poll question was this, real simple. Is not losing 100 games important to you? Explain why or why not and vote. So we had a pretty decent sample size. It was 215 votes. Not bad. Yeah. So there was yes, no, or 99 equals 100. Don't be silly. So um, I'll tell you, surprisingly, at least for me, um, no, 57% of the people that voted yeah. said that it is not that important to them yeah i was kind of taken back by that to be honest with you a lot of the comments you know and and when i saw the results i'm thinking all the comments are going to be filled with um i want that top draft pick or something right yeah and no, but it was it wasn't that is that. not what people responded so i mean maybe that's why a lot of people voted that way but that's definitely not what we saw so even yes was only 27 percent right so we're down into and then 99 equals 100 was 16 percent. so it was overwhelmingly no and i thought well maybe it's a little more important to the people who really feel like they're plugged in more uh, as opposed to maybe a casual fan that maybe maybe that was the the distinction there you're basically saying like maybe i'm sitting here looking at my future comment board (laughs) yeah yeah so i mean craig what do you think well i mean i i voted and i and i commented and and mine was that yes it, it did matter to me and and the reason the only reason it actually did matter to me was because of the fallout that could come after that because then that would give people their talking points 
audience that would give uh, certain members of the Pittsburgh media uh, reason to, you know, blow up the the morning drive in or the afternoon drive home uh, with that 100 losses or people that, you know, would usually say spend nutting, win nutting. It would just give them, hey, this is our, I think it would be eighth uh, yeah, 100 yeah. loss season in the history of the franchise. Uh, last time coming in 2010 for for those that remember that. Um, and even then, like after those, you know, three winning seasons, that 100 loss team is something that is still mentioned and that people still go back to. If it doesn't have that big round number and somehow would turn out to be 98 or 99 losses, it's not as easy to point to and to point out. Well, it's terribly hard to do. I mean, if you think about how long the Pittsburgh Pirates have been an organization. Yeah. To only have it happen seven times. I mean, it's what when I did my prediction this year, I thought to myself, is this a hundred loss team? Well, let's let, let, let's go. I'll throw my prediction out there because it's going to be wrong. And hey, it's okay to admit when we're wrong, right? I yes. mean, so mine, I said 97 losses. I, I really thought. Yeah, you might you might be there. Maybe be there. Eh, maybe, but you know, I just felt like, and we we tried to. I think we tried to hammer this point home before the season started that losing a hundred and five games or worse or something like that that's really really hard to do right in a baseball season. It can be done. We're seeing teams do it. Yeah, but so that was mine. I, I think mean, I, I think I went ninety two and seventy or something. I know Craig had had them losing. I think uh, he took the he took the easy way out, man. He just said ninety nine, so he didn't have to say a hundred. Well, that's that's pretty much I when I wrote up my thing for uh, for mine and Gary's website is I just basically said I did not want to write a hundred. Um, and, and I don't want to hundred. I think that's fair, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's it's fair to say the three of us don't represent that poll because we we kind of care. I don't want to see it. Um, if it happens. I fully expected it. So maybe let's read a few of the comments that we got here because I think we've we've spoken our mind on it. Yeah. So um, so this is directly related to the poll, and we do have some questions and stuff we want to get to too. So, but um, Scott Chamberlain, he said, he said yes, it's important to him because only eight other teams in the franchise's other 139 years have done so. Also, something for the Buckos shooting for for the rest of the season. And I, I, yeah, I tend to I tend to agree with that in the sense of you don't want that stamp on your resume as a franchise if you can if you can avoid it. Right. And, you know, look, at the end of a long baseball season, if you tell those guys in that locker room, I'm, I'm curious to know if they care about that. I think they don't want that on their resume either as players and coaches and whatnot. It's funny because even this morning on DK's Daily Shot, he he talked about this very topic. Oh, okay. Like it was it, when I was listening to it, I was like, hey, we, we, we have a poll question. We're going to be talking about that ourselves yeah. tonight. But he was talking about it from, from a, a perspective of actually asking the players and coaches about it. And he was getting the same kind of answers he was getting when he was when he would ask them about the importance of getting a sweep. You know, so you're not going to get that. Oh, yeah, it's super important mm -hmm. to us. But they're playing like it's important. And I think that's kind of more important. You know, um, 
they wouldn't be in this position where it's even a conversation if they hadn't played 500 ball for a month. And it, when I look at that bullpen, I still kind of don't understand how they've done that. To be honest with you, I, I don't. They've played their best stretch of baseball this season with arguably their worst team. Yeah, and isn't that funny? And we talked we we've talked about this before too. Is I don't know if it's such it's if it's some great sign of things to come. Bad baseball teams can play good baseball sure. in certain stretches, and so and um, let's be honest, five hundred for the Pirates is pretty good. Um, what is fifteen and fifteen in the last thirty games? So you <laughs> well, know that was another thing that, that uh, honestly, Dayon reminded me of this morning. And Craig, you you probably remember this, and you might not have even lived here at the time when 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 the Pirates avoided the hundred losses with with Lloyd McClendon, and he cracked champagne. <laughs> oh my like i i had completely forgotten about i it. didn't know that no but like two of the the images from winning and losing that are burned into my head forever are lloyd mcclendon cracking champagne and um oh who was the catcher tony sanchez chugging two beers double fisting in the locker room when he did absolutely nothing to get them into the playoffs in the first place i loved it it, it, I, look, I, to me, is it hugely, hugely important? No. But I right. do think on some level for, you know, the Pirates, they want to finish on a good note. The players would like to. Hey, they're they're impacting a playoff race in the meantime. So if that means, you know, winning some games that maybe you didn't think you would, because a month ago when I looked at this, I thought this is impossible. Yeah, they're going right. to lose 100. Um, so it's just nice to even be in a position to have something to at least shoot for at the end of the year. Yeah, it is incremental goals, man. You know, let so, me see. I might have one more. Let me see if I got another comment here from someone that, uh, did, that did respond. Um, Nolan Grossman. Um, this is from Twitter. Nolan's always good. Yeah. So he said they are what they are right now. This is just part of the process. People don't like it, but this is exactly what the Astros did before exploding. Um, we could do without the cheating aspect of that, but we'll <laughs> let that go for now. Uh, and we just have to hope our farm system elevates the talent we brought in. Good. I mean, yeah. I think we are seeing that. And I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit more in the next segment because some of that elevation is starting to actually go on. But I think it's time for us to dive into some questions before we uh, move on to the next segment. Yeah. And you know what? I like doing the, the Q&As because for me, now we sit and we 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 bounce back and forth topics and whatnot, and then somebody actually has you know a good question. I didn't think of it, and it's something good to put on. So I've got a few of those for us today. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's go first with, and you know what, Craig, I'm gonna let you take this one because I want to see what you say here. Okay. This is um, from Kevin Plaucha. I hope I said that right, Kevin. You can uh, just send me an email and uh, I'll make sure we uh, get it corrected for the next time. But uh, he said, all right, who is a dark horse double A prospect you can see working their way up to the majors for the Pirates? Well, the first one that it kind of it wasn't a dark horse, but it kind of just automatically clicked into my head to begin with uh, was G1 Bay. And it's maybe because I just wrote about him, but also because he wasn't promoted and has been playing well all, all along. So that was kind of brought out there. 
Uh, but when I actually had time to think about it uh, as I was driving home just a little bit more, um, I, I'd probably go with with Trey Mago. And the reason I would go with him is because, number one, he was the pitcher of the year uh, in Altoona this year. And he was kind of overshadowed by Rowanzi Contreras. And in some in some ways, rightfully so, um, because his stuff's electric and Trey's isn't. Trey right. is one of those crafty lefties. He's got like this change up that he just basically pulls a string on and and makes people look silly. Uh, but he's one of those guys that, you know, didn't pitch very well early on in his Pirates career, started out in Greensboro, came up and actually had only started one game in Greensboro and then started 18 games in Altoona, stayed healthy and didn't really have like that blow up bad start. Like it was like, right. I feel like he's like one of those guys that's just very consistent, very level headed. And maybe it was nice that he was playing in front of friends and family <laughs> every single <laughs> home game uh, since he's a local boy. Uh, but he's one that kind of sticks out to me as someone who persevered through the season and basically filled in where he needed to uh, for Altoona and and succeeded the entire time. Yeah, see, I was I was going to go Cody Bolton, but I'm not sure where he'll start next season. So that's probably not fair. He might actually start in AAA. I don't really know what they'll do with him. Um Omar Cruz is a good one. Um, that's a possibility. I, I can see that. Juwan Bay is another one I was thinking of. Matthew Frazier. If he keeps hitting the way he did um, after his call up to double A, you could see that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I'll throw somebody out there that I'm just, and this is just because of the position he plays and we'll see what ends up happening. But um Someone like a Carter Benz, just just from the catcher standpoint. Yeah, I'm not seeing it, but yeah. Well, I'm saying you know if if Perez, I don't I don't necessarily know what they're going to do with Perez, but I'm just trying to think of from a positional standpoint. At some point, would you see him? Maybe, but I don't look at the rock. Think it's it's kind of hard to pick out a guy other than other than Frazier, right? Like it's really more about him than it is Perez. Perez can have his leg amputated, and that wouldn't promote. Carter Benz to to the major leagues, but mostly because the guy hasn't shown anything since he's been here. No, he has, he hasn't. Um, but it's you know anything's possible. You never can tell. Got any more? Yeah, let's uh, let's keep going. So we've got. And while he's looking that up, get your questions in um, Pirates Fan Forum at yahoo.com. Okay, this is from Lucas. Oberg, and he asks, with the Pirates farm system now being one of the best in Major League Baseball, do you think the prospect phase of trading for minor league players is over? No. Not I don't, I don't yet. Think, I don't think it'll ever be over. Not to the extent that it is. It, it's, it's over to the extent, I think, that we've just seen what's happened, but it's still going to occur. It has to for a a team like the Pirates. It's never going to stop happening, but it's done happening in mass for a little while here. Is the best way I can say it. Craig, you feel the same way? Yeah, I think there was like the 
the sell-off or whatever you would want to call it or the 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 mass amount of of trades of guys that you know we all knew were probably on their way out but i mean people are saying you know let's bring in another free agent like a tyler anderson it would be unless you're bringing somebody in on a two-year deal which we've seen some teams do like the royals and the, the tigers when they bring in their free agents of giving them you know those two-year deals but if it's going to be just that one-year deal again you're obviously going to be looking to sell off and I mean, I, I could still see, you know, Stephen Brault out, out the window at some point, a Chad Cool out the window, Colin Moran at, at some point. I mean, so uh, like you said, I, I don't think it's ever going to end, but I think it might be instead of like, you know, leaving the faucet on the whole way, you might start to close it and just let it just let it drip, hopefully, so that we're not, you know, selling off everybody and doing yeah. a complete turnover all the time. But it it's, it's going to have to happen. But I actually think we might see some more actual baseball trades this year. I really do. Like I, we were talking about uh, Stephen Brault. Well, Stephen Brault's a guy that he hasn't been able to stay healthy here, and I don't trust him to be the veteran in this rotation. I really don't. I don't think I don't trust him to stay on the field. I really don't. So he's a guy you could move and potentially get a reliever back, a young reliever back, something like that. Somebody major league ready. That's what I was just going to say is it's, it's not, it's not maybe that the, um, that these types of trades will still occur, Mm -hmm. but the type of player you might be looking for in return, as far as being maybe major league ready, maybe to help, you know, plug in and play in the bullpen, something like that. That's what I think you're going to see. It might change, start changing the type of return that you're looking for, as opposed to just trying to flood the system with talent and young guys. Yeah, the best way I can say it is the class of player they get back better change. Mm. Because what they can't do is continue to bring in guys that are going to cause 40-man decisions every year. Um, It was cute this year, and I think it's about the best they could get for some of what they had to move. But if you're going to move, like, say, a Colin Moran, which I don't think they will. I really don't. But if you're going to move a Colin yeah, Moran. Split on it. But but if you're going to move him, you got to bring back lottery tickets. And you got to bring back major league ready players. You can't be bringing back guys that are going to rot in AAA. It's just not feasible with, with, with the roster construction that's going on. We're talking about the first wave, and we already have all these decisions to make about the 40 man, which we haven't even touched yet, but that's only going to get worse year over year with what they've got coming in Altoona and Greensboro. Right. I mean, so it's not like that's going to stop. Yeah. You, <laughs> you, you would be, and it's good that we're talking about this as, you know, this little bit of, it's a, it's a change. It's not a huge change, but it's a distinct change. And it's good that it lets you know that, okay, well, things are progressing and yeah, that's right. the next part of it is who you're getting back. So do we got time got, for one more. I see you got Nick pulled up and he's a good one. So yeah. Go. So this is from uh, Nick Camuso Camuso uh, on Twitter. I am so bad pronouncing names, but well, that's way. why I made you do it. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but Nick, Nick's always, uh, he's a good follow man. And uh, I've heard yeah. through the grapevine that we may actually get him as a guest one of these days. If we can, tear him away from his jet setting lifestyle that he has. Oh, we will. But uh, yeah. So Nick says, uh, or asks the question, 
and this is always a, a he's always a good topic here is Mitch Keller. Yeah. Mitch Keller is popping up a lot in these 2022 rotation projections. Has he done enough to warrant that since his recall, especially with so many starting pitching candidates? Hmm. I got an answer, but who wants to go first? Do you want to go or you want Craig? Craig, go. Go ahead, Craig. Lack of options. So, yes. I mean, I know that people are going to say that they're excited there, didn't he? uh, Well, you know, everybody that that listens to my podcast in and sees me on Twitter at all. I thought he should have stayed down in AAA for the rest of the season. I thought there was no reason to call him back up if there wasn't going to be any drastic change. I mean, I think he had like a little bit of a a, a delivery, you know, tweak. Tweak, but but to I mean, I saw him in his last game down in Indy. And he was getting hit all over the place by the Tigers team that didn't even have its its best uh, I remember prospects play at the time. He texts me from the stands. Okay, he's he's in Indianapolis. He he texts me. I'm looking at my phone, and, I, and it's Craig. He goes, "Yeah, Keller, he ain't it." <laughs> <laughs> That's all he wrote. And I'm like, "What happened?" And he goes, "Look at the box score. I won't even bother telling you more." Yeah, just just wasn't hitting his spots, and velocity's been back down, and it's just been, I mean, but uh, it, unless you're bringing in like more than one free agent, I don't see how he doesn't get a start his start in the starting rotation next year. I mean, even if you bring and you have Yahoo um starting the year with the team, I mean, you got Bryce Wilson, J.T. Brubaker, Will Crow. I mean, there's some guys that it's that he's even though he's not performing that well, he's performing better than some of those guys. So mm-hmm. I just I just see him. He's probably going to be in the starting rotation, and I mean, I guess we're just going to have to see what happens. We're going to roll the dice here. See, I think a lot of people are answering this with the knowledge of being Pirates fans. We know he's going to be in the rotation next year because he will. <laughs> and and it's 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 smart, really. I mean, like you, you give him another half season to show you what he is. And if he doesn't work out, then he's either a bullpen arm or he's Carson Palmer. It's one or the other. Next year's the proving ground. This year, you know, he gets one more pass as, oh, you had your chain jerked a little bit. We get it. Next year, that's it. And, you know, here, here's what I did, too. Like, I went back and, and looked at – and, and, look, I just did his September starts. Uh, he's got four starts in September. Yep, because you start going back a little further and they're just so wildly fluctuating. I don't even know where it's fair to cut him off at where it looks like you're trying to either make his his numbers look better or worse. We'll see if you started out positive, like people tell you, you would just take all his good starts. See, that's just that I've got to stay positive. I've got to (laughs) just like Craig, super positive. Yeah, just just take out take out, and even if he has one bad start for that month, you take that month out, and you say if he didn't start have a bad start that game. Oh, that's, that's how that's, that's how you get it. Yeah. Okay. To. All right. Well, uh, so look, the good news is in those four starts, five or six innings every time out. Yeah. So he's he's at least making the bar has been set so low with him um, that people think that if if he can just make it five innings and not get shelled even if he has 10 base runners that it's a good start i mean good is relative when it comes to you know mitch keller at this point eight earned runs 21 and two-thirds innings 
man, 34 base runners That's in those four starts. I mean, you just can't, you just can't make it at the major league level with that many guys on base all the time. Craig just did a whole study about his FIP and, and it's, eh. yeah, the, the, the FIP is the number people love to throw at you. And um, I mean, he's going to start. That's really all there is <laughs> to it. And, and he probably doesn't deserve it, but one more shot. On that note, let's go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some uh, promotions that have happened. And I'm going to ask a question that I know is going to drive Craig nuts. back welcome to the pirates fan forum here on bk pittsburgh sports podcasting network uh jim stam with me and uh craig toth from inside the bucks basement and bucks in the basement podcast um we're going to talk a little bit about the promotions that recently happened finally in some cases up to triple a i kind of wonder why they dragged their feet on some of them but regardless we know there were eight people that were that were pulled up to to triple a and and I think largely, Craig, I agree with you, what you wrote the other day about them being primarily paper moves. I mean, they needed to happen anyway, and and they happened. But regardless, get to see them for a few games here. And Kanan Smith of Jigba got called up, Kyle Mitchell, Rodolfo Castro, Ronzi Contreras, and and that's one of the ones that I'm kind of like, finally. But that injury, I think, really prevented him from getting a chance if he didn't get injured i think he'd have been up a while ago same could be said for o'neill cruz really right yeah i mean um yari de los santos i know we talked about him a little bit um craig you've been watching him for a long time he's one of the first guy prospects i, I remember you writing about yeah and uh, osvaldo Beto, and then everybody's favorite guy to either love or hate mason martin he is a really uh he's a lightning rod. He really is. Yeah, he really is. So, you know, all these guys are pulled up to triple A and O'Neill Cruz right away does something good and Rowanzi looked okay for three point two innings. And um and I think they were just kind of getting him a little bit of playing time before the end of the season here. That's probably, just a little taste. Yeah, that's likely to be the last time he pitches, I would imagine. Maybe one more time. We'll see. But any really Thoughts on that, Jim? I mean, anybody that they pulled up that, that you were super excited to see or thought they drug their feet on a little bit or anybody they rushed? I don't think so. No, I think I think they are definitely in the anti-rushing category across the board. I mean, if you really think about it, I can't think of anybody under Sherrington so far that we have sat there and said, whoa, 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 this seems quick. What do you, I mean, there was, was there the anybody, one, Craig? There was the one guy, right? Um, uh, Fabricio Macias. Yeah. He yeah. went up from uh, from single A the whole way up to triple A. And I don't think we really ever understood that either. That was never really yeah. clarified as to why they did that. But but as a whole, it's just, it's not, I don't think there's anybody you, you see, um, 
that they that that looks like oh well, wait a second why are they here at this point? Uh, Kranich really moved, but Kranich moved mostly because they had never seen him do what he was able to do once he showed up to spring training. <laughs> right, he it um it, it forced them to really do that. Yeah, and thank God it did because to be honest, he got a lot of the playing time that Miguel Yehure would have gotten. You know, and. I, I don't think that he would have gotten nearly as many major league starts as he did if if Yehure uh, was healthy, or Cody Bolton. Yeah, or Cody Bolton. But I mean, C- Cody Bolton is James Bond at this point, international <laughs> man of mystery. Yeah, nope, was what to make of him? I mean, he's he's a highly ranked prospect, but he ain't pitched in two years. Yeah, he's he's almost <laughs> getting at least from when we you know when we see lists and people that are excited, but he almost is getting a little bit forgotten yeah. from the fan base at least yep um and that's just the nature of you know you're not pitching you're not you're not you're not playing they've got other guys he tends to get lost in the shuffle at this point so they're not gonna cut mitch keller for him uh yeah you know what we'll leave that to somebody else online to okay speculate I, on. I figured it would happen i mean if if anybody really kind of I think earned the promotion, but at the same time, I have some questions about still. I'd have to go with Mason Martin because I, I I am concerned about that K rate, and I know that it's not as big a deal in the game as as it used to be, but it's just something he's never been able to get under control, really. And I just feel it's going to get exponentially worse as he moves up, and I'm afraid right now that he's going to stall. In AAA, and and the thing is, if he does stall in AAA, then you know you'd almost rather find out quickly that it's going to happen. Like next year, you want to know that's the case. If he's Will Craig, you want to know next year. It's exactly who I was thinking. Is he he almost look? I I hope I'm wrong. He almost seems to me to be the textbook example of a guy that maybe just tops out at AAA. He gets some looks. He just never has quite enough consistency, strikes out too much, and he hangs around in AAA because he's just not able to make that next jump. He seems to me to be like, if I look at a picture of someone in the dictionary, I see a Mason Martin type. And I know that'll get some people upset, but, Greg, I mean, what do you think? Well, I mean, he exploded onto people's radar you know, a couple of years ago from his jump from, you know, Greensboro where he was hitting the cover off the ball, which, you know, people will now understand, you know, it's a band box. It's the same thing as great American ballpark. A lot of the balls, you know, wouldn't go out there, but then he continued to do that in Bradenton. And then he did it in the beginning in Altoona until pitchers got to see him more than once. Cause you'll notice the beginning of the year, he was all over social media. Like here's here's another Mason Martin blast. Here's two in one game, you know, into the roller coaster. And then all of a sudden, you didn't see Mason Martin a whole lot more. And yeah, he did hit like a few more, and it, you know, his total kind of came back up a little bit. But I mean, he did seem to work on, you know, his his patience that played, his his base on balls percentage did come up over the last month or so. But he's so much of an all or nothing guy and actually a kid like he's still young. Like when you're talking about like these people being called up and like having to be protected and all this different stuff, I think of even like 
him and Cal Mitchell, like they're both like still like, I think 22, maybe have just turned 23, if that, and you're having to talk about protecting these guys already. And that's, but I guess it's the nature of the game, but Mason Martin, I love the power he brings. And I think that's why he's, you know, kind of gotten so much attention, but you can't overlook the K rate, especially, you know, we'll see what he does in triple a, and we're going to see a lot of that next year, but if it sticks up around the 30% mark, you know what that 30% mark turns into once you get up to the major leagues. That's it. That turns into, you know, Anthony Alford and his 44 to 50%. That's what it turns into. Yeah. In some cases, in other cases, I feel like uh, as they face better pitching, uh, it tends to get a little bit easier for them to handle the, the strikes. So, I do think that the promotion can have the opposite effect sometimes on, on guys like that because uh, he's just so reliant though on the power. Yeah. But he you might know. be a wild swinger too. That's the thing. When you watch him, he, he's missing a lot in the strike zone. Like that, that's kind of what, what I think he could probably fix. If he stops missing in the strike zone, I think his K rate goes down a little bit and, and consistent pitching tends to kind of bring that about a little bit more. You're He's starting to sound on. a little bit like Justin right now. He with his Mason Martin. He he loves him some Mason Martin, and he will mas- <laughs> he massages that K rate to. I mean, he's he 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 needs to he needs to get up with Deshaun Watson for being a massager because he loves to kind of he loves to kind of get that he loves to kind of get that K rate and that walk rate to where he thinks it's going to be acceptable. That that was a really really excellent football joke. Um, <laughs> It actually kind of stopped stopped me in my dead in my tracks for a second. <laughs> the, Mason Martin is is an interesting piece, though. And the power doesn't lie. Um, I do believe, though, as as you as baseball pitching is more consistent, it becomes a little easier to read. So, I, mean, I think that's something that helps some players and hurts others. You know, like it, it hasn't helped Anthony out. He's still changing everything. But Mason Martin, I've seen him start to lay off those those sliders away and the sliders that are coming in on his feet. And I've seen him start to lay off on the curveballs bouncing in front of him. So if he starts facing people that are coming a little closer to the strike zone, I do think maybe we'll see a little bit better contact numbers. But, yeah, that could be wishful thinking on my part, too. Because of, of everybody on this list, you know, the one I, I, I'm most excited about is probably O'Neill Cruz because of the power again. And I do believe just from what we've started to see um, post-injury here, that he's got that hole fixed in his swing. It's a different swing. It it's is. 100% a different – like it is such a different swing. It's not even funny. It's so compact now. It's beautiful. He could, yeah. I mean, it, before it, he would approach the ball and it was like this giant looping – yeah. I almost equated it to if Charles Barkley, if anybody's ever seen his golf swing, <laughs> oh my where, God. It was just, where, where it was just like he couldn't stop himself from this giant loop and he would try to stop it. And now it's just, it's a smooth stroke and it's very compact. It, it looks so much different. Yeah. It's, it's, it's honestly, it's, a, it's probably the most encouraging overt in your face development thing I can say that I saw this year. Um, and, and not to say like that, um, 
one kid makes your development system, but it's been a problem with him ever since they acquired him from, from LA. So I kind of thought maybe it was an ingrained problem that just wasn't going to be able to go away. Um, what I've seen this season and his growth gives me great hope for, for his career. I, I have much more faith in O'Neill Cruz now than I did at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, and maybe that was the good thing with him, that he was so raw in so many ways. He was still growing, for God's sakes. I think since since the Pirates got him from the Dodgers, I think he's grown three or four inches since then. I mean, so you're talking about literal growth, figurative <laughs> growth, you know, in and he still could be he still can be coached up to the point where you're seeing it now, hopefully, that that swing, it does. It looks entirely different. Yeah, and, and that that's been incredible. But then you got like steady performers. Like Cal Mitchell has just, I think, been just a steady, slow, measurable incline upward. From the moment he was drafted and started playing till now. I've never seen him really deviate down too much. Defense has always kind of been there. I've really liked his game the whole time, and and I'm happy to see him get this promotion too. And Kanan Smith a jig, but definitely deserved it. I mean, if anything, he he probably was held back by injury as well. That's boy, is that a theme this year? Man. Injury just has wrecked this system, like up and down. Yeah, I think what when people are talking about like the promotions, like why promotions didn't happen and stuff and why it was so slow is I mean, you look, I mean, Andy Rodriguez, you can start down in, in Bradenton. He he was injured. Um, Nick Gonzalez, he was injured. You, you come up, you know, even like a you know, Carmen Majinski was was injured. Uh, right. then you keep on coming up through the system, Rowanzi, O'Neill, Kanan. I mean, everybody was kind of injured. But I did want to say the one thing about Cal Mitchell that I always say is I went and saw him, Travis Swaggerty, and Mason Martin played down in Bradenton back in 2019. And I've said this every single time anybody asked me is who was the best player on that field? And I said it was Cal Mitchell every single time. Yeah. I went down, I went down to see Mason Martin and Travis Swaggerty, and Cal Mitchell was the best player on the field. But tell tell me why. Like give me a give me a reason for that. I'm just curious as to what you saw, Craig. Um, what I saw was a steady clean approach at the plate. Uh, I watched them for like about three games. Uh, he just basically looked more uh, mature and more, I guess, developed at that point in time. And a lot of people were downplaying his defense then. Um, it was getting the lower grades and stuff like that, but he was actually making Travis Swaggerty's job in center field easier by how much ground he was covering in right field. Um, so he, I mean, I, I went down there and I saw Mason Martin strike out a whole bunch of times. I saw Travis Swaggerty not really hit the ball that great. And and I saw Cal Mitchell. And it might've just been the series that I saw, but it, it just looked like that he was a lot more polished um, than both of those players, which I mean, for being more polished than Mason Martin, understandably, but Right, you know, for, to be more polished than Travis Swaggerty, which I still have never seen, um, it, it it really impressed me. Yeah, I, I saw um, I saw Altoona play. I think about four times this year. I made it out there. I mean, Cal Mitchell impressed me every time I was out there too. And it wasn't even just the number of hits that he got. It's 
there's a, a certain, and this is just a very subjective thing, but when you watch them on the field, there's some of them that just look like pros. Yeah. And some of them that look like amateurs. I know they're all pros once you get to the minor leagues, but some of them got that look, that swagger. They, they're they here to conduct business. Mm-hmm. Cal Mitchell's one of those guys. The men versus the boys type. And I, yeah, and, and I'll be honest, <laughs> another guy who has that in him is Rodolfo Castro. The guy, and we've talked about yeah, that recently. Yeah. We just talked about that last week. He, he, but he's another one that finally got the call up to AAA, and I, I, I'm excited to see what he can do too. I, I, I really liked his cup of coffee in the majors, and he didn't look like the moment was too big for him. No, not at all. Yeah, I, I just, I just hope that the wall that he hit down in down in Altoona wasn't due to that jerking up and down and not having him. It, it, it he fell off a, a cliff at the end. You're not suggesting the boo boo face, are you? No, I, here's my thing is I just, I, I never saw why if you were going to send him down, you didn't send him to Indianapolis to face the better competition. And I, maybe he, he was just, it was a long season. It's it's one that they haven't played in a while. And maybe he just kind of hit a wall. Um, but he went down the first time and continued to hit. And when he went down the second time, just kind of looked like a, a completely different player just for those last, you know, few yeah. weeks i saw him down there i think i think another fair point there is um you know we we mostly talk about the pitchers but this is a lot of games for a lot of these position players too is after not playing last year for the most part it that's a lot of baseball for a lot of these guys and uh and a lot of young guys who's, who have never yeah. had to do that before so i mean getting tired is a real thing uh, whether you believe brian reynolds needs a break whether Brian believes he needs a break or not, they need a break every once in a while. And I, I think that's why you see teams do that. But all these promotions really got me thinking about something. And, and I brought it up to Craig and I watched his head explode. Via text <laughs> so I, I had to bring it up once we got on the show here. Who is the next breakout star for this club? I mean, is it anybody that we just listed? Is it anybody in the system? And I'll be honest, like I think on the team right now, the only one I can say on the 26th man is Brian Reynolds. Star. Breakout star. Maybe Hayes will be that. That's an acceptable answer. It might be the easiest and the lowest hanging fruit. But the only one I count right now is Brian Reynolds. Is there another one? Craig? On the current roster? No, period. In the system. Who's the just get- next one that's going to be that breakout star? That one that like comes up here and can't miss everybody screaming for an extension within a week. I mean, I think if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be O'Neill Cruz. I think that's like the easiest, and that's another maybe a low-hanging fruit if it's going to be anybody. And it would sure make this this rebuild possibly happen a little bit quicker. The problem I have with him is that you know we still haven't decided the position. And I know everybody says that the bat will we play. Have, the Pirates have. Yeah, well, they he's a shortstop. Yep. He's a shortstop. Well, he he's actually made up his mind too, because they they had talked to him down there and they said he's maybe warming to the idea a little bit, but but he also wants to be a shortstop. And so I mean, but I feel like he's like the type of player that's athletic enough to make that transition a little bit better. And he's also actually played you know, some outfield, you know, growing up, like that's a position that he was right. fairly comfortable with. Um, but 
I mean, the bat will play, and and I I think if it's gonna be anybody, it's gonna be Cruz. But none of the none of the names we listed are guaranteed. See, and that right there, as we talk about this rebuild and and how it's gonna go, and um, you 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 need some horses, right? Um, and it scares me a little bit if that's the first guy we point to in the system. Other, other than already having Reynolds, so I, I I totally agree at this point. I don't even think he's a breakout star. He's just he's just a stud, and so I worry about if that's the the guy we're looking toward. As much as he's got the potential and the ability, you know, do I see him as the next Acuna or Wander Franco? No, uh, you know that that so that worries me that that's the 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 guy that we look to to pin our hopes on it. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about guys with high ceilings, and I think Craig tends to lean more towards um, examining someone's floor than their ceiling, and I, I tend to lean that way as, as well. So when he said O'Neill Cruz, that was the name I was thinking too because he's close. And I feel like he's close to maximizing his tools. So I kind of believe in it a little bit more, if I, if, if that's a good way to put it. I think uh, Henry Davis has every possibility of being that. I really do. I think Nick Gonzalez, um, I'd like to see him hit outside of Greensboro before I start getting too excited. I really would. Um, a lot of home runs this year. Um, On the road. Yeah, <laughs> I'd really, I'd really like. So to, it's a good point, though. I'd really like to see him hit. I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to see him hit on the road. All his, all his, most of his home runs. I, th- I think it's like three fourths, if if not more, came in Greensboro. Right. And yeah, that's, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Is I need to see him outside of Greensboro a little bit. Uh, and I, I think we'll get that opportunity next year. So it's not like we're gonna have to wait too long. And I think he's gonna be a good player. It's just when we're talking about like who's that next big star, like who's that. McCutcheon, who's that? Yeah, right. Who's that Brian Reynolds? Who's that guy? Because you're gonna, I mean, <laughs> you're gonna need that. Yeah. I mean, so that 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 worries me a little bit. Um no. we don't have those 60 F no in the minor leagues. We have we have some 45s and 50s, 50s. And, and things like that. They're good players, they profile to be good players. Um but you need stars. You know? yeah, I mean, look look around baseball and look at look at some of these guys um, that are young and they are bona fide studs. Yeah, I mean, they are carrying their teams. At I mean, look at look at Guerrero. I mean, what a monster! Adam Wainwright. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just needs to pitch against the Pirates constantly. No, he needs to retire. Oh man, please. And him and Yachty both. They both need to retire. I can't well, I th- what they're doing. Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest thing here is that when I, when I look at these rebuilding teams and the teams that have rebuilt previously is that they had the talent to trade from to be able to get bona fide talent from the get-go. I mean, a lot of people look back to like the Chris Sale trade. Like we didn't have, we didn't have Chris Sale. Right. Like we had Tyler Anderson, Joe Musgrove, and Jamison Tyon. 
like and Josh Bell and and Marte and yeah, I mean Marte for me is probably the one that had one of the highest trading potentials and and got two pretty high end like but still lottery tickets like they weren't as developed as as some of the other teams like we're not trading you know for we're not trading for Eloy Jimenez and and Juan Moncada we're trading for Tuco Pito Marcano yeah. like that's that's where like the big difference is in some of these like things is that we don't have that we don't have we don't even we ha- we don't have a McCutcheon and we don't have a Marte in the system right now we might have a Neil Walker like well, it's like the highest I mean on that bright note <laughs> no in all sincerity I, I I do believe O'Neill Cruz has a good shot at it and and I think that's probably the next great hope here. I mean, and let me just add this real quick. I mean, maybe some of this comes from the pitching side too, with the pre, the Quinn Priesters of the world, Contreras. I mean, if you can hit on a couple of those dudes, which, as we all know, arms tend to be a little bit, you know, not dependable. But if maybe it's more on that side, I'll take it. Yeah. Well, hey, anybody uh, wants to get a hold of any of us, you can get a hold of Craig on Twitter at. Bucks Basement and uh, check out everything he writes over at InsideTheBucksBasement.com. You might find someone else familiar over there. <laughs> and uh, Jim Stam, Jim Stam. At Jim Stam 22 on Twitter uh, for the city underscore 412, uh, all Pittsburgh all the time. So, yeah. And uh, on PiratesFanForum.com with any questions, follow us on Twitter. And uh, we'll talk to you later. This was a really good conversation. Thanks for joining us, Craig. We had a good time. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. I'll see you in the uh, Twitterverse. Absolutely, brother. Let's go, Bucks.